July 11, 2023, we're in Masechet Beitza, on Amud Bet, eight lines from the bottom of the Amud, three words before the end of the line. It says the Gemara, Ve'en makifin shete haviot. If you recall, the Mishnah talked about the prohibition. Midrabanan, the Hachamim said, you're not allowed to take two barrels, place them one adjacent to the other, light a fire in between the two, and place your pot on top. Why not? Rashi said in the Mishnah, because it's mechzed, appears as if, it's binyan, a binyan of ohel, of some sort. It appears and seems like, uh, even though it's not permanent, a temporary construction. That's our source. As the Gemara Marav Nachman, Avanim shel bet mutar biyom tob. Statement of Rav Nachman, alternatively, and it seems like it's in contrast to that statement in the Mishnah, is if you're in the Sadeh, as Rashi explains, you're out in the field and you want to establish a place for relieving yourself, uh, the halacha is on Yom Tob, you could take one large stone, place it next to another large stone, and relieve yourself in the middle. Why should that be permitted? If the Mishnah, etive Rabba le Rav Nachman, Rabba has a direct contradiction from our Mishnah, en makifin the Mishnah says that you're not allowed to place two large items next to one another in order to uh, carve out in between them some sort of place. Uh, why should it be permitted out in the field to build the temporary uh, bathroom, a place to relieve yourself? Answers the Gemara, uh, Rav Nachman, for Rav Nachman, to Rabbah, Shane Amar Shane Hatam Mishum Deka Avid Ahola. He distinguishes between the case of the Avanim in the Sadeh for the Bet Kiseh, the stones, the large rocks, which will uh, structure the uh, relieving area, uh, to the situation in our Mishnah, the two haviot, the two large barrels, and having the fire in between and the pot on top. Well, think about the difference in terms of what it looks like, in terms of the structure. When you have the pot on top of two large barrels, you effectively have two walls with a roof over them. That's a structure of an ohel. It's true, it's not a binyan keva, it's not permanent in structure, but that's still a binyan shel ohel. Uh, that's in contrast to the rocks in the field. There's nothing on top of them. Go ahead. How do we deal with, let's say, a folding table? Well, a folding table, we saw in the Mishnah earlier in the Masechet that when you're dealing with something that's collapsible, uh, so that's not considered binyan. If it's something like, like a portable uh, crib as well, uh, we had an explicit Mishnah which talked about a chair which is foldable in and out, that's mutar, strollers by extension. Uh, you might ask, and we could and should deal with it, um, you know, but, well, we'll deal with some other ramifications, but that's the answer to that. It's a wonderful question, because it should and does appear as if it's a binyan, but the answer is it's just kind of, we envision it as folding in and out. Um, so that's the halakha here in the Gemara, but there's a lot of ramifications with regards to all these halakhot of binyan, of ohil over here. It says the Gemara, Amar le Rabazuta le Ravasheh. So Rabazuta now turns to Ravasheh, reflecting upon and reacting to what was just said in the Gemara, distinguishing between the Haviot with the Kedera on top of it and the Avanim for the Bet Kiseh. What about the following situation? If a person literally constructed, if he built an Itztaba, what's an Itztaba? Rashi, four lines from the bottom, three words before the end of the line, Kiseh, Shel, Binyan, Levenim, Vetit. 
You took a brick and mortar construction of a chair. You built a chair on Yom Tov. Now in that situation, you didn't hollow out under anything underneath. There's no walls per se with something that you're placing on top. No, he's taking the statement, the answer of Rav Nachman a moment ago, and just extending it to its logical conclusion. He says, if you're telling me the only way it's going to be considered a binyan is if it has the structure of an ohil, of a tent of some sort, so then is it permitted? It's, it's inconceivable. Is it permitted to build a chair? Can't be. Or ahola. You didn't construct any tent over there. Are you going to tell me? Or is it indeed over there? Share permitted? Can't be. It's not possible. Amarle, the response in turn goes as follows. Says, Hatam, over there, the case of the chair, Binyan keva asra Torah, binyan aray lo asra Torah. And when I'm dealing with the construction of a chair, I'm literally dealing with a binyan keva. Well, that's a permanent construction. And as a result, if it's a permanent construction in such a circumstance, that's asur. That's a melechet binyan. But it doesn't look like a tent. It's okay that it doesn't look like a tent. It's a binyan keva. Uh, alternatively, when I'm dealing with a tent-like structure, which means to say something that appears as if it's a tent, even if it's aray, even if it's temporary, the humrah, the stringency is, rabbinically speaking, that's prohibited as well. So to state it clearly, he distinguishes as follows. If there's a permanent structure, even though it doesn't appear to be uh, like a tent, it's asur. If it's a temporary structure, in contrast, and it appears to look like a ohil, it's asur. If it doesn't look like an ohil, then it's mutar. That's what he seems to be suggesting. But he continues further. However, even when it comes to a binyan aray, a temporary structure, there's a gezera midrabanan, because you might come to a permanent structure. Vehacha, however, over here, mishum kevodo, because of kavod beriot, lo gazru behrabanan. The hachamim were not gozer. Which means to say that the Gemara's concluding line over here with regards to, ironically and surprisingly, with regards to the avanim of the bet kiseh out in the field, the reason it's mutar, says the Gemara, is because, number one, it's not a binyan keva, so which means to say it's not a permanent structure. And number two, the hachamim did not see it fit to say that it's prohibited and restricted because there's an additional important feature called kavod haberiot. A person needs to relieve themselves and as a result, clean themselves and, and deal with their bodily needs. Which again leaves us at the conclusion of the Gemara then that binyan is not strictly defined as, whereas initially we had that answer, needs to be kind of, it seemed like a ceiling on top of two walls. That's not per se the definition. It needs to be a binyan. All right, so does it need to be a binyan shilkeva, something that's permanent? No, it doesn't need to be permanent. From the Torah, it needs to be permanent. Rabbinically speaking, even if it's aray. All right, so then how do we distinguish? I got it. So if I build the chair, it's a binyan shilkeva, that's going to be asum in ha-Torah. If I build the two barrels, place them one next to the other, place the pot on top, that's only aray, that's something that's going to be taken down, that's not a permanent structure. It's asum in Number three, however, when I'm dealing with the two stones, one next to the other out in the field, it's not because it didn't have a, a, a roof on top of it per se in the conclusion of the Gemara. It's that A, it's not permanent, and B, 
שרו רבנן, החכמים לא גזרו רבי רבנן, החכמים were not gozer in a situation of כבוד הבריות. That has very far reaching and important ramifications. It means that the conclusion of the Gemara is not as narrow as it began with. It means the conclusion of the Gemara is leaving open the possibility of more, at the very least, midrabanan, isurim of binyan. You have to still fill out all the sugyot, even the continued sugyot here in the Gemara, to define what is binyan, what is ohel, what are the circumstances that are per- permitted. But whereas we began thinking, well, if it doesn't look like a tent, it's permitted, the conclusion, importantly, is not so. All right, says the Gemara, just continuing on that thought, Amar Rav Yehuda, Hai Midorata. A Midora is a bonfire. And uh, if you're constructing, as uh, Rashi suggests, they used to have uh, Rashi, three lines from the bottom at the end of the line, Hesek Gadol, Hesek Lehasik and Masikin means to light a fire, so it's a large bonfire. She'osin Lifnes Sarim, that they would construct in front of high uh, ranking officials. Kederech Binyan Osim Lo, they build it, uh, so to speak, in a structural fashion. Ketalim Mi Arbaru Hot. They kind of surround it with wood on the four sides. And then they pile up wood. And as a result, when you look at this large structure uh, piled up, it's very clearly temporary, but even temporary is assumed that a banan. No, no, there's something on top as well. Something on top as well. You put the wood and the fire gonna fly. What's that? You put the four wall and put all the wood inside, there's nothing on top. No. But you're completely no building a structure. Why not? Of course you have a cover. So Rashi says, It says you're being misadir, one on top of the other. As a result, says the Gemara, uh, is that permitted or is that asur? Again, one more time, says the Gemara, Amara of Yehuda, Hai Midorata, Milema'ala lemata share, Milema'ata lemata asur. If it's constructed in the following fashion, it's permitted. And the other way, it's asur. If it's milema'ala lemata. Milema'ala lemata means I began with the top. How did I do that? I either held it up or I suspended it in the air. And then I built the walls underneath it. That's permitted. If alternatively, I built the walls on the four sides up and then placed the top on, nobody knows the difference. Correct. Ultimately speaking, as we pointed out, this is not a Isum in HaTorah. So it means the Hachamim only consider it an issue with regards to, ironically, the way in which you constructed it. Right? That's the Isum. It's not per se the way it appears to others, interestingly. Rashi, Milamata Lema'ala, go ahead. That bonfire to heat up water, you could obviously build it any which way. Not necessarily. Yeah, but only if you couldn't have done it before Yom Tov, don't forget. Right? In other words, that's, that's what we've been addressing throughout. In other words, provided that you couldn't have done it before him. If you build it, down and up. In other words, bottom up. Asurim. Shederich binyanhu. Says Rashi, the reason that's Asumid Rabbanan is that's the way of construction. To build the walls and then the roof. Milema'ala lemata. However, if you do it the other way, by holding or suspending the top and then building downward. That's permitted. So again, the distinction. Yes, Eli. Rabbi, a building like that is dangerous. Now, why would you put someone through that on your own when 
he's trying to be discreet. I don't know. In general, the bonfire or the construction if it's top down? I hear you. Uh, I give two things. First of all, maybe they once knew how to do it, right? Yeah, uh, maybe they used to know how to do this properly. I don't know. I, I hear you. I, I don't know. Uh, I can't really address that to, to properly. But what I can tell you is, at the very least, and provided that it's done in a safe fashion, okay. Eli, right? Um, the halakha is if it's built in the, quote, not normal fashion, and again, as Charles points out, once you look at the person, it doesn't make a difference how it was built, but it does. That's the issue over here. Midrabbanan, they care very much about how you did it. If it's top down, it's permitted. If it's bottom up, it's asur. Now the Gemara is going to follow this through in several other cases. And what's very significant for us already is to realize that the derech binyan, when I'm dealing with binyan midrabbanan, when I'm dealing with a binyan shel arai, is very significant. This came up just yesterday in a class that I was uh, teaching, and it was the issue of uh, wearing caps or hats on Shabbat. You see, when it comes to wearing hats or caps on Shabbat, there are many angles and issues that need to be addressed. That seems to be under some circumstances. But when all the dust settles, there's one issue that's very relevant to this sugya. And as a matter of fact, this sugya is quoted in that context, and that goes as follows. With regards to a cap or a hat on Shabbat, one of the issues, the primary issue that's dealt with is, it's an ohil arai. You're building, you're constructing by putting on your head something that protrudes outward, if it does, and that's like a tent. It's giving you some sort of shade, some sort of protection. That's, however, several poskim point out from reading the words of Harambam and Perek Shabbat carefully. That's only provided that, according to some, you pulled out the brim of a hat. It's not the way our hats work any longer, but hats of once upon a time, apparently you could pull out the brim. Why does that make a difference? Because the suggestion is the only time it's going to be asur is if you're doing a kederich binyan. What's the way of binyan, of constructing? It means I pulled it out, I built it. If alternatively it was already out and I just placed it on my head, they liken it to our sugya. They say that's like building it top down. Top down is not the regular way. Again, that's provided that, that's the derech binyan, but those are the words, and in turn, that's an angle, notabi huda, and uh, the several other poskim, maharashtam, and others have a suggestion in the context of hats that maybe our hats today are all permitted, maybe, because of that angle of, of, of interpretation, again, invoking our gemara. Okay, but for our purposes then, the gemara has then given, uh, given us one example of a shiloh derech binyan, but the gemara continues. There's major ramifications, we'll have to read in Tosafot in a moment as well. But again, Amar Rabbi Yehuda, bottom line here, and Daflamidbet, Amudbet, Hai Medorata, person who's constructing a bonfire of sorts by building the sides and top. If he builds it top down, the words of Rashi, that's permitted. It's only you're doing it in not the regular fashion. If you build it bottom up, asur. Vechen continues the Gemara or continues Rav Yehuda at the top of Daflamid Gimala Mudalf. Biata. Biata, interestingly, is the same word. Although in Aramaic, as the name of our Masechet, our Masechet is Masechet Besa, and uh, in Aramaic, the way you say Besa is Bi'a. Uh, in uh, Arabic, I guess we say Beda, right? Anyway, the Chin Bi'ata, what's the case of an egg and a construction, a top down or bottom up? Rashi, top Rashi, Besim Gasot, if you're dealing with um, thick or large eggs, Hanetunot Alpikeli, 
halul ke'en tapid o al ha'askala. If you're dealing with a large, thick eggs and you're placing them on top of some sort of hollow uh, receptacle, or alternatively, you're putting them on a uh, on a on a grill and askala. En moshivin takeli tehila v'hakaki sader alav. You cannot and may not first put the utensil, which again is on the fire or the receptacle, and then place the eggs on top of that. Rather, you'd have to put the eggs into the item and then place the item down. So again, you have an item which is going to be closed up or filled with eggs or an egg. You may not take the item, place it onto the fire, and then place the egg onto that. That's a very small, albeit small and, and little, but it's a structure of some sort, and that's going to be asur. If alternatively you do it in the opposite way, so to speak, from top down, you place the egg into the receptacle and then put the receptacle onto the fire, that would be mutah, that says Rashi. Anything I'm um, cooking, anything I'm cooking, I'm putting the item, then put the meat, I'm putting the things inside. That's right. Different eggs. Okay, you want to apply it to other things as well? Bechabot. Eggs generally will close the top of a receptacle, so it looks more like binyan. If you're going to tell me that you put close up items with meat as well, so it'd be the same idea. So again, so that's what it writes. En moshivin etakeli techilav hakachisader alav ela. Rather, yohazenu biyado. You have to hold the item or the grill in your hand. V'yoshiv habesa alav. Place the egg onto it. V'hakach yoshiv hakeli al halim. Then put the utensil, the receptacle, onto the coal. Shelo yasenu kederich binyan. It's important. It's necessary that you not do it in a construction fashion. Right, so that's the second case according to Rashi's interpretation. So we dealt with a bonfire, if it's built top-down mutar. We dealt with uh, eggs, or by extension anything else that's closing up the receptacle, closing up the keli, it would need to be top-down And so to kedera, what's the case of kedera, a pot? Well, that's the case we were dealing with. That's the uh, pot on the barrels, that's in our Mishnah. In other words, there is a permitted way of dealing with that. If you held the pot on top of the fire, and then brought the barrels, mutar. It's only asur if the barrels are first placed, and then you put the pot on top of them, right? The case in our Mishnah, which we understood as just being asur, not so fast, explains Rav Yehuda. If you did top down, even though as I walk by afterwards, it looks like, it appears as if it's a regular binyan, shel arai, it's still going to be mutar if you do it top down. You hold the kedera, you suspend it in the air, and place the kederot vechen, Puriya, Puriya means a bed, so too when it comes to a bed, depending, see they used to structure beds, they used to build the beds. Uh, so the Puriya situation, as Rashi explains it is, you'd have to first outstretch the leather, then the, um, the, the, the straps, and then the legs which the straps would go into. You'd have to build it in the opposite way. You'd normally build the structure at the bottom, place the straps on top of it, and then the leather on top of it. If you did it in the opposite direction, it's permitted. Vechen havita, and so too if you're placing barrels, one, two, with a third on top of them, one, two, and the third in the middle of them, as you would, you know, lay them out in a storehouse or a warehouse or something like that, it needs to be that you hold the top one and then place the other two underneath it, Otherwise, you have an issue of it appears as if and it is considered a binyan midrabanan. Veche, okay, so that's a. Uh, sure that's. Same thing. Same. 
sometimes uh, either horizontally or uh, vertically. I get you're one hundred percent right. I'm unfortunately uh, not proficient in the barrel trade, but ultimately speaking, it means two with a third on in the middle on top of them. Right, so those are the the several cases, and again, the distinction is how it's being done. Tosafot here on Daf Lamid Bet Amud Bet has uh, two points that they uh, take issue with in Rashi, and so if you take a look again, Tibura Matchil Milimata Lemaala. And count down in Tosafot, about eight lines down, the second word on the line says, Vitema. And it's uh, difficult. What's difficult? They amar b'shabat, they say the Gemara, Masechit Shabbat, Daf Lamed Vav, Mahazirin kedera al gabe kira. The Gemara says over there that you're allowed to take the kedera, the pot, and place it on top of the kira. The kira was the oven, which had a hollow cavity and an open top. Effectively, you'd be taking, as Charlie said, it's with any food, by extension, it's with any pot. You're allowed to, says the Gemara, place the pot on top of and kind of plug up the top of the kira. Shouldn't that be considered binyan? Vehatam, and the Gemara over there says, Ka'amar, man di'itle mahazirin, da'afilu b'shabbat mahazirin. The Gemara says, you're even allowed to do that on Shabbat? It's not going to be considered even midrabbanan binyan. Oh, but wait a second, according to interpretation now, Gemara, it shouldn't work that way. It's only if it's milima'ala It's only if you do it in the not normal fashion. Over there, you already have the structure, the kira, the oven. You're placing the pot on top of it afterwards. That should be asur. V'yesh lomar answers Tosafot fundamentally. Dekol hanach enan asurin elahecha shemetaken ha'ohel vehamechisot. Avali ma'asah ha'ohel belo mechisot? Shareh. Suggest Tosafot that our Gemara, and Rosh fills this out even more in Siman Yod Aleph, our Gemara is specifically and only being Oser, even Binyan Shel Arai, even the rabbinic violation of construction on Shabbat or Yom Tov, when and only when you not only place the top item on, on the top, but as well built the walls. If you didn't construct the walls, if the walls were already there and you just took the item and placed it on top of it, that would be permitted even midrabanan. That's a very significant line in Tosafot. Tosafot says, even if, ironically, even if there are walls, but you didn't construct those walls on Shabbat or Yom Tov and you place something on top, that's mutar. The issue is specifically and only when you built the temporary walls and the item that's placed on top, by extension, suggests... The Hidush is that you could have believed, and it seemed to have been this way. We were assuming this way until... For example, let me return you to the case of the eggs. The eggs was, well, if you recall, the imagery of Rashi is there's the receptacle already, and I placed the egg on to, into that. Or there was the grill, and I placed the egg onto it. We said, that's Binyan. Says Tosafot, that's not considered Binyan. You didn't build the walls over there. You just built the, quote-unquote, ceiling, roof. That's the Hidush of Tosafot, that the case of Rashi and all the cases we've imagined to a certain extent are mutar. How do you deal with the eggs case according to Tosafot? They quote from Rabbeinu Hananel, hard to fully understand unless I need Morris, uh, I need Morris Bannon to help us with ostrich eggs or something like that. Unless, he says, says Rabbeinu Hananel, the case is you took egg number one, egg number two, and then, I'm sorry, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Alan, it's probably egg number one this way, egg number two this way, right? Whatever the point is, then you put a third on top, which means, says Tosafot from Rabbeinu Hananel, you quote-unquote structured the walls through eggs as well, not just you placed an egg on top. That's very significant words of Tosafot. And again, Rosh takes it to a certain extent a step further, but Tosafot might allude to this as well. 
Rosh writes that unless you have walls, it will not be considered even a binyan shel arai. It won't be asur even midrab banan. And that's a very significant statement. It's a very significant conversation to be had because when it comes to an issue like uh, umbrellas on Shabbat or by extension baseball caps or any hat, you don't have any walls in those situations. So the question is, why is it that in other gemarot or in other circumstances the poskim are dealing with those issues as being a potential ohil arai if there are no walls. In fact, that's one of the major conversations when it comes to an umbrella, the fact that there are no walls over there. Could that or should that be considered according to Tosafot, according to Rosh, according to potentially the normative approach to, to Halakha on this matter, a binyan. When it comes to umbrellas, we are oser under pretty much every circumstance, even though there are no walls. But it's important to take note of the fact that that's far from simple, <coughs> particularly in light of this Tosafot. The end of this Tosafot, on the Flamid Gimal Lamud Aleph, side from Rashi. You see, Rashi is reflecting later in the Gemara, but he later in the Gemara, we'll see when we get there why he does it there, but he reflects on the fact that this segment of the Gemara, again, what were we dealing with, just to quickly review, when and how it's permitted to construct these temporary structures. If he did it, milema'ala lemata, top down, permitted. Not derech binyan. Did it, lemata lemaala, bottom up. Asur, that's derech binyan. Says Rashi, this sugya is going, these gemara is going not according to the halakha. These are actually all permitted. Well, what are you talking about? The gemara didn't say that. Says Rashi, this all follows the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, not Rabbi Shimon. Who's Rabbi Udan Rabbi Shimon? We know their opinions. We've already learned their opinions. In Masechet Beitzah, Rabbi Udan Rabbi Shimon, not only by Mukseh have a mahlok, but they have a mahloket as well, by an issue called Davar Sheinom Mitkaven. Remember Davar Sheinom Mitkaven, the situation. I'm dragging my bench on Shabbat or Yom Tov, and without intention, it makes a furrow in the ground out in my field. Was that Asur or Mutar? Says Rabbi Shimon, Davar Sheinom Mitkaven. The Torah says, Melechet Mahashev. It says it needs to be a purposeful, mindful act as I do it on Shabbat. If it wasn't purposeful and mindful of what I was doing, it's Mutar. Says Rabbi Udan, no, 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 no. Anyway, it's Asur. It's Asur if you made the furrow in the ground. Says Rashi, this sugya. Well, think about it. You don't have any intention to make a binyan. You want to put an egg on the grill or put a t- pile of eggs. You don't want to make a binyan of, uh, of barrels. You just want to put food in the middle of these barrels and let them be used as a temporary side item, not for a structure of any sort. Nonetheless, it's asur. Says Rashi, our sugya is working with Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda's opinion is, davar no mitkaven is asur. Says Tosafot to Rashi, you're telling me the whole sugya was not alibadi hilchita? The whole sugya is not following mainstream halakha. We go, like Rabbi Shimon is mutar. All these lines that we just read and spent a lot of time discussing, it was all just, you know, so farce. It was all just, oh yeah, if you hold like Rabbi Yehuda, inconceivable. Can't be. So if you look at Tosafot here at the top of Daf Lamid Gimalamud Aleph, in the uh, last of the wide lines, uh, take a look over there. Piresh Rashi, and just five lines on to, five words onto that line. De Rav Yehuda de Hacha, the Rav Yehuda over here in our Gemara. Sevir Ale, his opinion is Kir Bihuda de Oser Mukse v'davar Shen Mitkaven. Aval Anan Sevir Alan. However, our opinion is Kir Bishimon v'davar Shen Mitkaven Mutar. That's what Rashi told us. So Rashi said all these cases are actually permitted because you don't have intentionality. You don't want to construct. You don't want to build. Says Tosafot, it's Dohak. 
It's hard to believe. It's a pressing situation. It's not, it's inconceivable that our whole sugya is going not according to the halacha, which is Rabbi Shimon. At the very least, the Gemara should have noted it. The Gemara should have told us that. Ela nira rather suggests Tosafot Lomar, the Afilur Bishimon Mode, the Havia Hacha Asur, the Haada Amar Bishimon, the Vashen Mitkaven Mutar, Hanuki Goncha Ose, the Vashen Mitkaven Asoto, Aval Hacha Mitkaven Asot, Mashu Ose. Very importantly, and more than once, more than Five times a year, I quote this Tosafot to people when we talk about Davar Sheno Mitkaven, because Tosafot distinguishes over here between intentionality for action or intentionality for melacha. And let me explain the difference. When you drag that bench or that chair across the field, I have no intention for what's even taking place. That's Davar Sheno Mitkaven. I don't want the furrow in the ground. I didn't realize, I didn't think about it. I just wanted the bench to be moved, Davar Sheno Mitkaven. Over here in our sugya, you want that barrel over here and the other barrel over there, and you want the food on top of it. You want the egg on top of the grill. You want the bed structure the way it is, and so forth. The only thing you don't want is a binyan. You're not just not interested in the structure. That's not davar shenomit kaven. That's almost speaking philosophically. That's not davar shenomit shenom kaven means I don't have intention for action, not that I don't have intention for melacha. That's the hidush of Tosafot, and as a result, even Rabbi Shimon, suggestion is, agrees with this. This is not unintentional. This is very intentional. I want this to look like this. I don't want it to be a structure, but that's what it is. That's the halachat says Tosafot in our sugya. Okay, continues the Gemara. So, so because you didn't need the trench, you're good. Because I didn't want the trench. I didn't think. I didn't realize about the trench. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I like trench. Trench is better than faro. Yeah, I should say trench from now on. Says the Gemara, I like that. Says the Gemara, um, uh, if you recall, and Alan, this is for you, you were asking about this yesterday. Two lines from the top, the next words in the Mishnah. Right, if you want to, um, because you realize that the pot is not stationary, and you want to wedge it in order to make it a little bit more stable, you're not allowed to take a bakat, a slab of wood, and put it in, in there. Why not? Mukseh. Our understanding is that even though wood is permitted to be used on Yom Tov, it's provided that it's for fire. If it's being used for fire, for hasaka, that's when it's permitted. For other usages, mukseh. Now, if you prepared it beforehand, it's one thing. But you didn't prepare it beforehand. Vechen, the Mishnah said, bedelit. It said, so too with the door. What do you mean, so too with a door? Bidelet zelkada Questions the Gemara. A door? You really think? That's, that's what you were talking A door? Rashi's words on the door are, he says, something's going to break. What are you using the door for? You're leaning the pot against the door. The door's going to break. The pot's going to break. Oh, what, what? Ela ema, says the Gemara. Rather, you should say, vechen hadelet. And so too, the door. Which means, say, it's not that you're using the door to wedge the pot. It's that you're using the slab of wood to wedge the door. I imagine this is an old school door. That's a door that's maybe on a, not on the regular hinge, but rather in a peg, and you need it to be stationary in that peg in some way or fashion, and you're wedging it with a piece of wood, that would be asur. Again, what's the common denial? What's the reason over here? Because the wood is asur to be used for anything other than fire on Shabbat if you hold that the halakha is yesh mukseh yom tov. Plastic would be okay. On yom tov. Um, Plastic, if it has other usages, right? No, the assumption is, yeah, I mean, what, what, it depends what pot. type of plastic you deal with. If it's plastic, that's a keli. If it's plastic, that's a utensil, absolutely. If you have scraps of plastic, it's no different. No, scra- you know, plastic scrap, you have some. So you can use a piece of wood as a door prop. Is that what you're saying? That's, that, that's what's clear from our Gemara. That's not to say that if you have a doorstop, which is wooden, that you can't, that, of course you could. That's already established as a doorstop. Right, okay. We're dealing with a slab of wood, right? 
Okay, says the Gemara onward, Tanur Rabbanan, three lines from the top here, two words before the end of the line, Tanur Rabbanan means a beraita. When the Gemara says Tanur Rabbanan as opposed to Tanya, uh, we have uh, some of the, the, uh, the kilale, uh, the, those who collect the kilalim of the Gemara suggest Tanur Rabbanan was a well-known beraita, Tanya was uh, more of the experts, uh, more of the, uh, uh, the specifics who knew the beraita, they knew the Tanya. Regardless, Tanur Rabbanan, the well-known beraita, says, En somchine takidera bebaka'at, Vechen hadelet. Okay, so there it's explicit, just like we just explained the Mishnah. Both the pot and the door cannot be wedged with wood. Why not? And explicit here the reason. Lefi says the Beraita. The reason is because wood can and must only be used on Yom Tob for fire, and it can't be used for anything else. To start a fire, it could be used. It's not considered mukseh for anything else, provided it wasn't prepared for that. It's mukseh. Ve. Go ahead. Confused. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You're saying, why do you keep saying wood? It's anything that's not used for that purpose can't be used. Yes. Right? Um, anything. Think it's like, not only wood. I'll tell you the reason why. Because wood, even though you didn't prepare it before Yom Tov, can be used for fire. Right. Anything else, what's it being used for? If you told me that it's for fire starter, yes. So then by extension, anything else. You don't use plastic to start a fire. You don't use rocks to start, oh, maybe you do. So that's why we're using wood, yes. But wood is just an example because wood is the most confusing is what I'm explaining to you. Because wood you'd imagine is... Pers- exactly, gotcha. exactly. So again, so, and it's like, Rabbi Shimon permits. Why does Rabbi Shimon permit? Well, we know Rabbi Shimon. We mentioned this just a few moments ago. Rabbi Shimon doesn't only hold he also holds, we know this from the very beginning of the Masechet, and throughout, that Mukseza is Mutar. So that's why it says the Beraita, um, Rabbi Shimon disagrees with this. Then we had in the, in the Mishnah, Ve'en manhigine tabbehema bemakil beyom tov. Remember those words? You're not allowed to lead an animal with a stick, a staff, on Yom Tov. What's the reason? Why not? Well, our assumption was, and should be at this moment, for the same reason. The stick, the staff, is a piece of wood. Provided that it wasn't prepared before the holiday to be the staff, you just picked it up in order to use. We saw these words in our Mishnah, Matir, he permitted. Says the Gemara, Perhaps the reasoning of Rabbi Azab Rabbi Shimon is like his father, is his opinion. What was his father's opinion? And Mukseh, that's what we just saw in the Gemara. Rabbi Shimon's opinion is you don't have the issue of Mukseh, and in turn, he's just reiterating his father's opinion on this matter. So, the same way, just a moment ago in the Mishnah, we learned about the fact that you can't be or the Delet, but Rabbi Shimon would disagree. So so too, Rabbi Shimon, by extension, his son Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, disagree when it comes to the staff or the rod as you're walking the animal. It, it doesn't matter. It's just that it's wood which wasn't prepared for that. If it's wood which was prepared and you have it as your staff, of course permitted. If it's wood you picked off on the ground, even though you'd love to use and you always have in mind to use that. If it wasn't prepared for that, it's Asur. Says the Gemara, Lema, should we say, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, Ke'avuha, Sevira, Le'delet, Le'mukseh, uh, is that what's happening over here? And the Gemara doesn't tell us why it falls off of this, why it doesn't, why it doesn't say, yeah, that's what... But it's possible that, if you read the Mishnah carefully, we didn't have a mahlokit 
when it came to the Bakat. The Mishnah never told us Rabbi Shimon disagreed or Rabbi Lazab but Rabbi Shimon disagrees. You only have it on the last case. That's a little bit funny. You would have imagined if there's a disagreement about this issue of wood, it should follow through in both cases. Secondly, why is it Rabbi Lazab Rabbi Shimon? Why is it not Rabbi Shimon who's speaking? If Rabbi Shimon is the primary opinion who says there's no Muqsir, he should have been the one. As for that reason, probably the Gemara falls off of this and says, no, there's a different reasoning over here. So what's the issue? Lo, says the Gemara. Beha afil Rabbi Shimon mordeh. Says the Gemara, on this matter, when it comes to the stick with the with the animal, it's not an issue of mukseh. Yes, you're right. If from mukseh, it would be permitted. So then, what's the issue? Oh, over here, there's another reason to be osir, which even Rabbi Shimon would agree with. The mehze, it appears to the casual onlooker, keman, kimi, de azil, who's walking lehenega. Hennega, Rashi says, is a, is a circle. And Rashi explains, out in the marketplace, they used to walk around. So the fact that you're walking your animal through with a staff, with a stick, means it's a, you're actually walking. You're not just taking it for a walk through the street. You're walking it because you're bringing it purposefully and swiftly to a marketplace. That we don't want it to be seen as do, doing so on Yom Tov. Even though I'm not taking it to be sold, it appears as if you're taking it to the marketplace. That's why it's Asur. Rabbi Lazar ben Rabbi Shimon alternatively disagrees. He says, no, sometimes people take walks with their animals and they hold the staff in their hand even though they're not taking it for it. Which means to say, just to summarize that last point, there are two reasons that could arise with regards to a problem in holding that staff, that stick, as you're walking the animal through. Number one, Mukseh. Rabbi Uda would say it's Asur because it's wood. Uh, in and of itself. Rabbi Shimon would probably say mutar. However, there's another reason. It's mehseh. It looks like kemande azil, as if you're going lehenega to go sell that animal. That looks wrong. Rabbi Shimon would also say it's asur. So why does Rabbi Lazab and Rabbi Shimon say mutar? Rabbi Lazab and Rabbi Shimon just disagree. Psychologically speaking, when a person sees another person taking an animal through the street with a staff, he doesn't assume it doesn't look wrong as if he's taking him to be sold. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.